Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we look back at the films of 1999 from our soda machines here in 2018. No. Um, <laughs> the reason I say soda machines is because we're doing something a little different today. We are. Um, it's we, a bonus episode. We are doing a bonus episode of one of the great soda pitchmen of all time, Orlando Jones. Indeed. Um, but among among other things. Yes. He's, he, he, one of many things that he's he did, done. Uh, he did... Rise to prominence on Mad TV. Then he also created the most successful campaign in the history of selling soda, Make 7-Up Yours. But he is important to us. Important. Well, he's, he's important to me. He's born to Phil for a very specific reason. He was one of the stars of the hit Fox series, Sleepy Hollow, which Phil co-created. But um, he was also in three. He was in four. four technically four. Technically four uh, 1999 movies. Yes. and um, Two of which in, are very are yeah. huge varying in prominence i guess i would say he yeah. was in magnolia which we love yep. office page space Whew. which we love sure we all love that liberty heights which we like never seen i've seen it i've I never like seen it. it and a movie called new jersey turnpikes yeah which i've never seen which i've never seen but he was the star and i think we will do at some point so sure um but uh we re- we recorded this previously he was incredibly gracious. He's incredibly cool, incredibly yep. smart, incredibly yep. knowledgeable. He was just awesome. And he gave us a real window into two movies, which we're very excited to cover at a later date. Uh, I mean, three really movies, three, yeah. but, uh, but office space and Magnolia. I mean, anyone who listens to this podcast knows that Kenny and I are big Magnolia fans. Mm-hmm. So he was able to paint a picture for us of a couple scenes that never made it to our eyeballs. So never, I mean, who knows, maybe someday Paul Thomas Anderson puts out a deluxe edition. I hope that happens. I'm not holding my breath, but Orlando yeah. had an entire storyline in Magnolia that was unfortunately excised from it just based on time. So he was able to really paint. I, I, I don't want to speak for Kenny, but for me anyway, he paints a scene in that where I was like, I could, I could absolutely see it. It, it was really, it was really special. It's really cool that we're the podcast that got that little piece of, audio goal yeah, because that's how awesome. it felt to me it felt yeah. like we were we were hearing something for the first time that really hadn't been put out there in the world so um and then he talked about office space and sort of the the uh, a little bit of the birth of his character a little bit mm-hmm. talking with mike judge and all that sort of stuff it's so not an it's, insignificant character no. either so it's the genesis was, of all cool that is too. Really and cool then too. he played you know one of the leads in liberty Hodge with barry levinson yep. and just talked about the sort of 
burying of that movie, it feels like, and, yeah. and it, that it just never really got its due. I do think it's a good movie, and, and I'll be interested to cover it when we mm-hmm. do. It is sort of the, the final movie in a, in a, a triptych or a trilogy. It was that, four. The fourth. It was the fourth. Diner, uh, Tin Man, um, there were four, Avalon, and yeah, there were four so, so, yeah, Baltimore, so, yeah, so four exactly, Baltimore yes. movies. So it was sort of the the fourth in that series. I think yeah. he might have done others since then, if I'm not mistaken. But maybe he did. I think they, they, those were you know kind of that suite he did. Yeah, of four Baltimore movies, and I yeah. think that was a particularly painful experience for him because a little bit because he thought that was going to be a big a yes. big moment for and him. It was a pretty well reviewed movie. It was. And it was a people did kind of yeah. think it was going to be bigger than it was. Yeah. So. Either way, it's a great – Orlando's the best. It's a great interview. He's super fun. Um, and he really kind of gave us a window into the making of these movies. It was just really special and really exciting. Yeah, what it was like to be him in 1999. Yeah, which We're is super cool. different. How exciting. There you go. All right. Thanks. Bonus. Hello, hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm here with, uh, with my partner, Kenny. Hi, Orlando. It's nice to meet you over the phone. Big fan of your work. Oh, thank you, Kenny. Where, where are you guys at? Uh, we're in Los Angeles. We're in uh, we're in Koreatown, and you're in my hometown. Uh, yes, I'm in Toronto. <laughs> How is Toronto treating you? No, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> you know, crazy schedule, but blah blah blah. Oh, no, no, no complaints that anybody cares about. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much for coming on, man. We really, uh, we really appreciate it. We're obviously, you know. Obviously, you know I'm a huge fan, but uh, you had a really big 1999, so we wanted to talk to you about it. Uh, cool. I, I, I didn't even realize that happened until uh, <laughs> you sent me the stuff. I was like, I, I was like, why? I don't know why I didn't notice any of this. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it was a really. I mean, it was it was a big year for a lot of people. And, you know, it's, it yeah, is, was, uh, they made a lot of films that year. They made a lot of films that year. And, uh, and Kenny and I are exploring all of them. So everyone we f- 250. we felt like it was, uh, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't, uh, get you on the phone and talk about your experiences through that year. Yeah. That's so crazy to me. I, I did, you know, obviously the, it's such a different world. They don't even make that. They don't, they don't make that many movies in five years now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, ne- Netflix makes that many movies in five weeks. <laughs> But aside from that, 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 well, that's true. Yeah. That's true. They, 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 they are they are the new Jesus of entertainment. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, did you? I mean, we, Kenny and I were talking off mic before we got on here about how you know you obviously shot these films prior to their release, and and did you know they were all going to come yeah. out in '99? Did you? How did that? How did that no work for you? No, no, absolutely no clue. Yeah, there was there was there was little communication about you know what would happen when and what the release schedules looked like and much, much chaos around <laughs> uh, people scrambling. I mean, as you, you know how it works, something, something works. And then of course, everyone sort of reconfigures their schedule to try and, you know, capitalize on whatever uh, worked in that moment. So at that particular time, it was really interesting because there was a, a lot of stuff on the indie film front that was, was mm-hmm. going on. Sure. And people were trying to sort of move forward. And then you had, you know, DreamWorks was really sort of a, a new studio at that time. And they were sort of ramping up, looking to get into the blockbuster business and all that jazz. It was a really bizarre time when you when you look at, you know, just the amount of content that was, was made and how you would have, you know, that number of movies coming out on a single weekend. You know, it was just, yeah. you'd look at the weekend release and be like, great, there's 10 new movies coming out? Like, what is Yeah, it's, it's it's crazy. We've been, you know, e- each week we sort of, we talk about obviously a different movie and we, we talk about its release schedule or when it was released. And Kenny and I, every week, we're just like, it's crazy. You could have five or six legit great movies coming out. Five or six movies that you remember today. Yeah. I don't remember the movies that came right. out last week. <laughs> That's right. And, the, and what was really weird about them is that, you know, in a, in a very crowded sort of release schedule, it's surprising to see what through cable and through all these other various channels caught and are still hanging around. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm still, like, completely blown away by what's still hanging around yeah. <laughs> 15 well, what's, what's... years later, and you're like, Bizarre. It's it's amazing. In fact, you know, I think that a perfect example of that would be Office Space. You know, that's a movie that you know came out 
And people liked it, for sure, but it really caught fire on video. You know, it's one of those movies that Kenny oh, and I have, yeah. have continued to talk about how movies got a second life in, in, you know, in the 90s that you just don't have today. It bombed. Yeah, it, did. <laughs> it, it, it legit bombed. Orlando, what do you what do you remember about um, the process of getting cast in that and making that, working with Mike Judge, and uh, and the expectations for that movie when uh, when you guys were making it? You know, at the time, Friends was like this massive show, and you know, I literally remember. Um, you know, he listening to my my manager say, you know, I could set up a three picture deal with Jennifer Aniston reading the phone book right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I was like, you know, I mean, you know, I was like, OK, um, I will let Jennifer Aniston know if you haven't told her already. Um, but <laughs> but I was really humored by the fact that she'd done like picture perfect and these sort of. Very, you know, you know, for lack of a better word, lackluster sort of yeah, yeah. comedies that made no money. And so Office Space was like the fourth or third installation of what had been like three bombed movies by her. And I'd met my judge because we, we'd met somewhere and we were cracking up because I kept telling him that what we should do is take Beavis and Butthead and do a spinoff. Uh, called Clevis and Blackhead. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We could still do that. Yeah, Yeah, there's nothing stopping us. (laughs) I just was like, we've got to do this. And I had this character, you know, Clevis, who basically was doing this show all about, you know, he had like this acne problem. And so he had these talking temples, Clevis and Blackhead. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's genius. (laughs) <laughs> and his pimples were sort of the music aficionados and he just, you know, did, had no interest in it. So we were laughing about that thing. I got a phone call from him and he's like, Hey, uh, you know, I'm looking for something for us to do together. I'm going to make my directorial debut. I'm going to do this movie office space. I, you know, I think I'm going to cast your buddy, David Herman from mad TV in one of these roles. Um, if there, you know, I'm going to send this thing to you. Just tell me what you think and what do you want to do? And so, I read it and I thought it was cool. And Janine McCarthy called and was like, Hey, you should come in. Let's sort of talk about what to do here. And I read the, the salesman and just cracked up at it. And I was like, look, man, I got this crazy idea. My little, my niece, uh, really my cousin sells Girl Scout cookies and she hates it. And (laughs) she puts no effort into it at all. And so all she does, she won't even look you in the eyes. She's like, would you like to get some girl? How could it be girl? How could it get some girl? How could it get a better education, make a better life for myself? Like, she despised it to the core of her being. And I was like, I want to do her. Like, I want that who shows up with no interest in selling you anything. You just go through the spiel. They buy, they don't buy. It doesn't matter. And he was like, that's really funny. I, I like it. Let's let's do it. And I was like, I have one more request. I need his face to be like 10 shades darker than his neck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Because <laughs> he's always out knocking on doors. And it's hot. You know, it's hot. It's hot so it, yeah. I just need his face and hands to be like ridiculously like Jaiman Hansu. Wesley, <laughs> <laughs> original back of black. That's whoever made that up like i want african guys to be like this dude is really black like (laughs) this guy right here has a special tent of it um and so he was like look i don't want to get in trouble i was like you won't it's just what happens when you do door-to-door salesman so he signed off on all that madness i was shooting a movie in toronto of all things this movie called new jersey turnpikes with me and Kelsey Grammer and Jason Siegel and all these people. Which and is I also a 1999 movie, by the way. That came out in 99. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was the first year I'd starred in a movie. So I was like, oh, wow. So I, I flew wow. down to do that from here down to there wow. to shoot that for a day, I believe, and left and flew to Baltimore for Liberty Heights. Wow, you had a, that's, that's a, so this is all, you're that's, all shooting this in 98, right? Yeah, this was 90. Yeah, it was 98. And then I I think I I flew down there for a day. Yeah, to Texas for a day. I I remember it vividly because it was 120 degrees when I landed in Austin. And I remember leaving out of the airport, you know, strutting through with my little carry on bag. And when I got outside, 
the the trip from the front of the airport doors to the car was so hot I took my shirt off. <laughs> so I remember the limo driver was looking at me like, "What? What is? Why is this black guy walking towards me, taking his shirt off, like sweating?" And I was like, "Hi, that's me. I'm Orlando Jones." Uh, you know, because at the time my my alias was Petey Wheatstraw, like one of the characters from Dolomite. So I'm this guy's looking around like, "Where is Petey Wheatstraw?" And <laughs> Here I come taking my shirt off. And I'm like, hey, I'm a Lando Jones. I'm Petey Weestraw. I really need to get in this car, dude. It's crazy. <laughs> so, you're, so, so you flew to, to Austin for, for office space, correct? Or, and well, Then he said yeah. he went to yeah. Baltimore for Liberty Heights, which is right. also a 99 movie. Yep. And it's almost the right. opposite of office space in that it did kind of okay. Um, not great, but mm-hmm. it did really well with critics. It did. Um. And yeah, yeah, yeah. They buried it. They buried the release of it. I, I, I remember getting the call from Barry Levinson, really upset that Warner Brothers wasn't going to support, you know, hmm. the 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 fourth and his Baltimore movies. And yeah, he was, you know, he. I mean, in fact, you know, Adrian and I have been friends to this day. I was actually sitting with Adrian when he called, and he was like. Yeah, I've been tracking, trying to track you guys down. And, you know, here's what's going to go on. And I, we had no premiere, nothing. It was just like one wow. week the movie came out. That's so weird. And you had because the the do you, do you conversation the conversation around Liberty Heights at the time was this is the new diner. We're yeah. we're intro- basically introducing five or six new big actors, and I'm surprised. And they actually all kind of grew up to be big important actors. I'm kind of surprised that they didn't push it a little harder. They, they, it was one of those things that it got dumped. I mean, that's literally, I think Warner had decided they were moving heavily into the blockbuster business at that time, which they're, you know, majorly in today. Right. And they were very much sort of trying to move away from those sorts of films. And, uh, you know, that's what happened to it. So it kind of was one of those movies that, um, went that way. And, uh, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was an important movie and probably more significant in my career than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, at that time, um, because of just you know how it ends up playing itself out. Because when I got that movie, I did not have a feature agent. Really? No, no, no. I couldn't get arrested, and I'd come from Mad TV, and so you know I was on this sketch comedy show, and you know Mad TV was on, you know, up against the news for a half hour, and then yeah. Saturday Night Live for another half hour, and so. Nobody was paying any attention to us. They were too busy with, you know, Mello's place and that sort of stuff. So, right. uh, and, and nobody was really, you know, certainly nobody was looking for, you know, a cast member from Mad TV for anything in the movie realm. So they had sort of seen everybody and their mother. And I came in and auditioned for Debbie Zane, which is just bizarre. Cause I think she's the new casting director on, on American gods now. Um, That's too funny. And, yeah, it's, it, this world is so crazy. So, yeah, I, I remember <laughs> I was up for that movie, and Martin Scorsese was doing um, the sequel to Taxi Driver, Bringing Out the Dead. Mm-hmm. And we couldn't get the schedule to work. And so I got a phone call saying, uh, you've got a feature agent. Martin Scorsese wants to cast you in Bringing Out the Dead, and Barry Levinson wants to cast you wow. in liberty heights and then suddenly the head of the feature department at william morris was like uh he's my client and <laughs> yeah, everything yeah. sort of <laughs> everything sort of switched uh, over but it was really because Scorsese and levinson were two you know heralded you know incredible you know american directors and and their interest in me in two wildly different roles is sort of what what started everything off and and then i got my first big hollywood education which is the last movie you did is what you do, and it doesn't matter what sort of diversity you've been able to show in your work. They're only looking at the last thing you did. So after I got Liberty Heights, I couldn't get any more comedies. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you went to And that's why I went did Office Space, to prove I could do comedy, because I did this drama, and everybody was like, oh, he's a dramatic actor, because Liberty Heights was followed by Magnolia. So um, just because I... I... We obviously know the release of these movies, but can you, for our, what order did you shoot them in? Because I'm trying to figure out. So, yeah, New Jersey Turnpikes started it. Okay. Then from New Jersey Turnpikes, as I remember it, it went to Office Space. Okay. Um, From Office Space, it went to Liberty Heights. 
from Liberty Heights, it went to replacements because they shot both in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So I spent that year in Baltimore. Replacements and was then, released a year later. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then replacements, uh, I'm and sorry, t- that's not true. That's not true. It went from, um, I'm sorry, it went from, there was a movie called Shiny New Enemies, which I believe got retitled Chain of Fools, but uh, yeah, Elijah also Wood and Tom Wilkinson also released. So that was in Vancouver. That was before The Replacements. So I, was, I went to Vancouver and did Shiny New Enemies, and then I came to The Replacements after that. And then after The Replacements was uh, Magnolia. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, yeah, that, that's right. After the placements, what I believe, I believe that's how it went was, was Magnolia. And so that was sort of the, the, the bobbing around I was doing at that time, just trying to, you know, you know, and, and also I was very much trying to define, you know, films that represented what I'd come from, which I was trying to find films where I could do very, very different characters that, you know, didn't sound the same, didn't walk the same, you know, didn't have the same looks. Because for me, as an actor, that's what I wanted to do. I always thought that's what, you know, acting was about, being different people. And that was right about the time I got sat down by the agents and stuff. And they were like, we need you just to be you. <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. And I was like, huh? That's not, but that's not acting. They were like, yeah, but that's how the business works. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to do that. So... <laughs> And so we have this big back and forth about why I shouldn't be doing all these different characters and why I should be uh, going down a road that was more in keeping with, you know, Martin Lawrence or, you know, Will Smith or whatever, where I I basically played myself in these big comedies. And I was like, God, no, that just sounds horrible. (laughs) (laughs) But it is, I mean, but it does, Uh, it does say, it does speak volumes. I mean, just looking at, you know, at your output and the things that you did in 99 and early 2000, I mean, the spectrum of stuff that obviously you're capable of, I guess it just goes to show that, you know, I think we can all safely say that this business loves to put people in boxes, you know, they don't love, uh, it, it's it's yeah. unfortunate, but that's kind of the way that it is. And to that point, it is, I, but it's one of those things where I knew it, but I didn't care. I'm not yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, sure, sure, sure. Uh, to that point, I kind of wanted to ask you. Um, so you did Mad TV. It looks like in the mid '90s, '95 to about '98, and then right around then you got the Seven uh, Up campaign, and mm-hmm. you all of a sudden were kind of one of the most famous people in America from that. Um, mm-hmm. how was, how was it, first of all, I guess the first question is how was it possible to transition from that to movies like Liberty Heights, Magnolia, Office Space and everything you've done subsequently, but, um, how much of a stigma did, did specifically the seven up campaign brand you with moving forward? Honestly, it, it, it didn't necessarily uh, because no one in the feature television world cared at all about I mean, about commercials, mm-hmm. but they just they just didn't care. Right. So, you know, while it was a discussion that people were you know were were having you know whatever with me, it wasn't um, it, it wasn't much of a stickler because you know everybody kind of looked down on the commercial thing. So, and I'd written that campaign. I had an ad at my first foray into the entertainment business was I had an advertising agency when I was 18 years old. So I wrote that campaign. Oh, wow. So for me, I was trying to do a character driven campaign because all of the previous campaigns had been, you know, you're a successful athlete or whatever you are. And, you go and play yourself. And I basically was like, no, I want to do a campaign, but I don't want to play me. I want to play this character. Um, and that was ultimately what happened. So I, I got to create the seven up guy. Um, uh, cause I just couldn't call him Sven, which was the name they had given me. <laughs> um, <laughs> what was the name? I'm like, no, Sven. Finn. S-V-E-E-N. Sven. Oh, Sven. Amazing. Like, That's great. Sven. And I'm like, it's like seven. Yeah, I, I get it. <laughs> I was like, no, this is the, I'm like, this idiot is the guy who makes seven up. He's like the CEO's son. Um, right. you know, he, he shouldn't be shooting these campaigns. Everything goes wrong, but he's such an imbecile. He doesn't even acknowledge that it's, he doesn't even realize that he's just so in his own world. It's like, 
you know, I was a, I'm a massive Peter Sellers fan. So for me, it was like, I want to do my Clouseau and this is where I, a place I can put him. I don't have anywhere else to put him right now. Sure. So that was really it. So it was very bizarre actually, because, you know, the, the magic of commercials is, you know, what was the buy? And because they were buying the Grammys, the Oscars and March Madness, I was everywhere because that was seven ups by, um, mm-hmm. but when I walked into an audition, it was like, it, it, it wasn't happening. That's <laughs> it was, really interesting. It was like you're, you're not it, like completely people didn't, they, they made no mention of it. I mean, on the streets, it was a completely different phenomenon, but in Hollywood, it was as if that campaign didn't happen and it didn't matter. And I only did it for, I did it for a year. I worked, um, I worked eight days on that campaign. That campaign it was only everywhere for one year. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's uh, Kenny right. and I are literally looking at each other in disbelief at the disconnect between the two industries. Like you're, I can only assume you're walking down the street and everyone is coming up to you for this, this ad campaign. And yet Hollywood sees no connection to, I mean, just for context for people who, who may not remember, this is Yoki Aero Taco Bell. This is the Bud Light. Yes, I am commercial. This is, this was as big as any, you know, make seven up yours was on t-shirts People would say it. Yeah. People would say it in cafeterias to me. I mean, it was it was as it was as big a, an ad campaign as I can remember, and it's crazy to me that Hollywood didn't acknowledge it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Didn't look. Look at it from. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play the Hollywood devil that has been <laughs> crazy at this now. Okay, so in their minds, some black kid who didn't come from stand up like everybody else I was competing with, 15, 10 years in the club, who really came as a sitcom writer because that was my first job writing the different world, writing the pile of Martin, John Bowman, you know, Rock Lives, Sinbad Show. I was a sitcom writer, and I'd previously been in advertising, but again, nobody knew that in Hollywood. So suddenly I I got this massive campaign. No one cared that I wrote it. That didn't particularly matter. Um, And no one cared about, you know, that success on the advertising side. It was obviously, you know, a completely different animal, but nobody cared. And it was very strange uh, to to live through just because you were like, huh, (laughs) Uh, particularly as people started to get more into campaigns and such, but very few people have been able to transition from that to films. And so to the public, people were like, man, that campaign made you a star. And I'm like, eh, no, not really. <laughs> I'm like, I, I auditioned for Janine McCarthy and Office Space. And I was in the, you know, comparatively to what had happened on the 7-Up side, to go into that audition was very bizarre because I knew Mike Judge. I was everywhere. And it was a two-scene role in this, you know, Fox movie. <laughs> Very bizarre. That's. I mean, it's so you. So that was it. So you did. Um, you did an episode of King of the Hill prior to Office Space, or at least per your IMDb. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, it, it was that. Was that your introduction to Mike Judge? Is that how you met him? Did you meet him through? So, no, he wasn't. He wasn't there. That was really because. Huh. A lot of the Mad TV cast did a lot of VO work. Phil Lamar uh, did a lot yeah. of VO work. Um, Herman did a lot of VO work, and they were doing a lot of the stuff on King of the Hill. 
So the casting director from Mad TV was casting, had gotten the job, another job over at King of the Hill and called me up and was like, hey, I know you can kill this. Will you come over and knock this out? And I was like, sure, I'll come by Julian. That was, it was like one of those. I see. It was literally like when you called about the podcast and I was like, all right, I'll come by. And I came and did that. <laughs> I knew Mike Judge because of Three Arts Entertainment, where I was represented at the time. And he and I had met there. I see. That, that's, that's really funny. So that was it. Yeah. So it was completely one of those things where it was kind of like I popped in for an episode of King of the Hill, you know, an afternoon one day and I was gone. But, um, yeah, man, that's that's kind of how it went down. It was a very bizarre, uh, I mean, a bizarre thing, and, and and because I was always focused on this other sort of you know you know elements, as it were, and and you know even today, people I meet people all the time, uh, and even when you and I met on you know Mad TV, where I'm, I'm sorry on on Sleepy Hollow, uh, Phil, people were completely surprised that I would know anything about marketing. I'm like, I didn't, yeah you know, doing marketing stuff for 20 years, 25 years. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure I've won every significant marketing award, uh, award that they give, but I, okay. I, if you think I don't know what's going on, okay, no problem. <laughs> that's well, yeah, that, well, that, that's a, that's a, yeah, <laughs> I could, I could talk, we could talk long about Sleepy Hollow, but, uh, uh, uh what, what, listen, I, listen, I loved it. I loved that I met you at UTA and that that magical experience that happened where you sold it and it, I mean it was great. I I loved the show. I I have my memories of it are, are actually really fond. I had a great time, um, um, you know, playing the believer in that world, and it was a really fun character to 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 put together. So I, I mean, you know, I, for, it, for me, it's been a charmed life. Well, I mean, I, I obviously would say the same for myself. Obviously, it was a, a a crazy, amazing experience for me, and and I'm thrilled that I got to you know got to meet you and got to to work with the the cast and the crew and everybody. It was a tremendous experience. Um, and oh, you know, absolutely. And absolutely. Uh, and ironically, Sleepy Hollow, a 1999 movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. But right? Uh, we uh, we would love to talk briefly about Magnolia if you're open to talking about that, since sure. Kenny and I are enormous fans of that yes. movie. And uh, you might, I, I, I actually, speaking of Sleepy Hollow, I actually brought it up to you on set when we were shooting the pilot because uh, you know, obviously, I'm That's a big right, fan, you a, did. a big fan of the movie, and I, I, I wanted to pick your brain about it a little bit. So, um, you know, we, we'd love to pick your brain just in terms of. You know, how did that project come to you? And, and you know, for, for people that, you know, that might not know, you, you had a pretty significant storyline in that movie. And as, as I'm sure people know, the movie's quite long. So my, my assumption is that it was cut not from a lack of quality, obviously, but from just a lack of having enough time to tell all these stories that he wanted to tell. But um, absolutely, what, what sort of what was your experience like on that film? And, and, you know, how did that come to you? So I met. Paul Thomas Anderson at La Poubelle in Los Feliz. Sure. And he had written this character that was uh, a MacGuffin uh, in, in the movie. Mm-hmm. And the shooting script was 206 pages. Amazing. Um, That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I remember getting it going, what? what? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Who does this guy think he is? The Entourage movie like, script okay. was about 180 pages, just for context. Oh, wow. That, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm just saying away. equally yeah. crazy. So the, so the script lands on your desk? Crazy. Lands on my desk, and it's red. Sure. So you couldn't copy the pages. Uh-huh. So the first part of our conversation was about how people were watching his dailies from Boogie Nights because they had gotten out, and how he had tracked them down and figured out who had leaked it. And he was like, this is not going to happen. And so there was a lot of security around it. Production, just a lot of security. And we, we met and just sort of talked a lot about, I mean, he's amazing and really lovely. And I, I, a lovely human for me. I I just, we just kind of hit it off. And in the story, there's the little kid that that's always sort of rapping. And Dixon? if you listen to what Nixon. he's yeah yeah Nixon. he's going to tell so the story of the worm, right? And he's telling the story of the worm, and the worm is me. So what ultimately happened is, as, uh, I'm sure you're 
hopefully you remember this part of the movie. Um, there's a dead body in that closet. Yes. And so that guy is the guy that I killed because of his violent relationship with my mom. Okay. So my kid is staying there. I'm staying there. This guy is sort of very much behaving in a way that I'm not cool with, and I kill him. And so what my son is doing is trying to, under my tutelage, extort money from the cops by telling them that he will give them the name of the person who did it if they will pay him. Okay. Um, so, but he's giving it to them in code, in, in rhyme, for them to try and figure it out. So <laughs> that was what, that was sort of the MacGuffin of who killed this person and what is this kid talking about? I see. And so the way it sort of came together, and there's a, a moment where the murder itself, which made it really tricky, is actually tied to the cop's gun. So the only frame you see of me in the movie is when he loses his gun and yeah, he's sliding yes. around trying to find it. Right. And you see this guy kind of get it and him looking for it. And the guy just kind of wipes the camera and he never mm. catches up with that person. That was me. I see. Wow. So, so you... I had killed him. With, I'd killed him with that gun. I see. So there's, so, forgive me if I'm mistaken, but you had, there's a scene in a diner between you and I think you and Dixon, right? Am I yes. Correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the culmination was the frogs in the movie started to come down at the point where I had bumped into Stanley, the whiz kid in a diner. <laughs> okay. And I knew who he was obviously because he was very, you know, he was on television, he was very successful. And I decide that I'm going to work a con on Stanley the Wiz kid because I, I need money and the plan that I'd hatched with my son and the cops wasn't working out. And I wasn't so worried about it because the cops gun had the body on it. So I had a little bit of cushion that they were going to have a difficult time explaining. So what happens is I sit down with Stanley the Wiz kid and I tell him this story about Oh gosh, eighteen. It's a a, a a bit that it's a it's a story that Paul Thomas Anderson has put in multiple movies, but for whatever reason, it's always end up getting cut out. So, um, and the story was about. <laughs> I was like, hmm, interesting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you want me to tell this story? Okay. I was like, hmm, uh, okay, but it was a really great story, and the story was about essentially how. Nothing bad that the way God should make the world is that nothing bad should happen to kids from zero to 18 because they're, they're innocent. They really don't have the faculties or the abilities to fully protect themselves in this adult world. So the way God should have crafted children is that they, their lives are all good until 18 and then they can be subject to the insanity that the world really is because they shouldn't be thrust into that prior to. I see. And that story is what really lands with the Wiz kid, because he's obviously going through, you know, the stage parents of the parents who are really pushing him and whatnot. And he's like, I can give you money. I, I can, I, I, I've got money. I can, I can help you. I can give you money. And the rest of the story is, you know, just telling him about what I'm, what's going on. That's when the frogs start coming down. <laughs> sure. And when we look at, so in the midst of that story, we look up and the frogs start and we're like, what is going on? And my son is outside. He stumbles upon the car uh, where Julianne's character is about to commit suicide. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and when the frogs start coming down, he freaks out and he runs into the diner. And when he runs in, he interrupts, uh, in essence, sort of the, the con that is going on uh, and sort of blows my cover, as it were. So the way the scene goes is he runs in, he's like, Daddy, Daddy, you know, and I'm, I see him and I catch him mid-run. We'll never forget this shot. I catch him mid-run. He's this eight-year-old kid. And I swing him full arm overhead down to the ground. And then the entire frame shifts 
and I'm directly over the top at him, top of him. And I unleash on my son because he should know better than to interrupt what I'm up to. And then I see more of the frogs and the guy realizes that something biblical, something is going on that's bigger than him. And he just looks at his son, looks at the scenario of what people are looking at around him, who he is, who he has become, the monster uh, that he finds himself in in this moment. And he dissolves and starts singing Amazing Grace to the kid. He just dissolves. That's awesome. I can't believe that got cut. Yeah, I'm literally like sitting here just being like, how? Because I can see the shot because I can imagine how Paul Thomas Anderson shot it. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, it, it was ridiculously beautiful because when the kid runs by me, when I grab him, the trick of it was to sort of, you know, turn and lift this kid up with one arm. And then you see the frame start to turn. So by the time you get down, it's like the world turns sideways after you've seen these frogs and this madness. And that's what happens, right? <laughs> that's amazing. I wish, I mean, I, I wish that this footage someday would get out. I hope he does some sort of a deluxe edition of this yeah. movie. Cause it's, it, it sounds just you know, amazing. I, I'd heard, I'd heard it was coming. And the funniest part of the story for me, just the irony of how crazy life is. I was doing an interview with vanity fair when I got the phone call and they had been watching early cuts of the movie. So I was getting, you know, that phone call because it was, you know, it's all about the award stuff and all that madness. And literally he called me and he was like, Hey man, um, the movie's like nearly four hours long and the studio's making me cut it. And there's nothing I can do. It's, you know, I've got to get this down into a shorter range. And that means I got to move like, you know, 30, 40 minutes of the movie. And I got to remove that entire storyline. And I remember thinking, that's not going to make any sense. How are people like the gun just flies out of the heavens on that? Like what? When yeah. it returns to him, because that's the last scene is that after all that happens, I get in the car with my son and I'm driving down and I take the gun and I throw it out and it you know, flies over and lands on the other side. And that was sort of the connection uh, final piece to that, that madness. Uh, and he was like, I'm really sorry. You're definitely going to be in my next movie. I, you know, the, work was great. It, the scene is so beautiful. I was like, oh man, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I never heard from him again. <laughs> <laughs> wow. He's a big listener of the podcast. Yeah, so yeah. PTA, <laughs> yeah, right. get him in the next one. That's, I mean, it sounds like a, it sounds like a tremendous experience though. It was, it was, look, I learned, you know, actors say this all the time, but I really learned a lot. I spent a lot of time on set just watching um, his process and, uh, how he works and what he's a stickler about. And, uh, it's, it's something I wouldn't take back. He was nothing but lovely to me the entire time. So I got, you know, I literally, I love that guy. He was, in, he was incredible. And, um, he, you know, he let me play with it. He, I've never, you know, I don't think I've ever worked with a director who was more caring about actors in the process. He made 2000 foot mags so that he didn't have to cut instead of thousand foot mags. He stands not at the monitor, but right next to camera so that he can talk to you. He doesn't yell. He, he talks to you often in a very calm whisper voice. So he's not moving you out of the emotional state that you're in. You very much feel like he's in it with you, that he's there, that he's committed, that he cares. Um, and he makes sure that the set is an environment that you can most do your best work. He does that. He does it every time. He does it for every actor. He doesn't play any games between this is the star and this is whatever. He does none of that. So to have had that experience and, and, and have someone really, you know, sort of open me up to that so early on in my career was really key because it taught me how to create that space for myself no matter what was going on around me. And I don't know that I would have come to that so quickly if I hadn't had someone like Paul, you know, build that out for me and, and really help me get through all of the insane emotional context of that scene. So for me, he's a God because I, I, you know, no one has really done that since. That's, I mean, um, that's, so I, I, I tip my hat to him. That's amazing. I mean, I, I obviously you, you are the, the, the only actor that I've met that's worked with him and it's tremendous to hear that he's, um, that he's 
you know, this the well, amazing filmmaker. That, we, yeah, the amazing filmmaker we hoped he would be. Yeah. Um, so as we're wrapping up real quick here, Orlando, we just wanted to ask you what sort of 99 movies are some of your favorites, some that jump out at you that, you know, that, that, that sort of stuck with you. Oh man, there's so much insanity during that year. Yeah. Um, let me let me try and. I mean, some of the big ones the... that that jump out at most people, just for what it's worth, you know, you're you're being John Malkovich's, your your Matrix, Election, Galaxy Quest, uh, Fight Club. Election, I was really crazy about. Fight Club, I was crazy about. Um, um, you know, I think a, a election for a number of different reasons, but there were a few just small ones that I remember came out during that time. Uh, let me let me try and uh, remember, uh, and please forgive me for no, no, uh, no, please <laughs> uh, for trying to wrap through. I, I was like, I need a list right now because I know that there's a couple <laughs> films that came out that year uh, that I was like losing my mind over. Um, I'm trying to hmm. Let's see here. Wasn't that the year Thirteenth Warrior came out as well? It did. It, it did. That's correct. I look for an you know John McTiernan as an action director is you know sort of really one of the yeah I just I really like that movie as I recall I think Sam Mendes did American Beauty during that year. He did. He did. He did. Um. Which really threw me. I, I'm, I'm pretty. I think the Whites Brothers dropped on the comedy side, which was massive. Um, American Pie. Uh, American Pie. Indeed. Which blew me away. Um, and the other look for me, Robert De Niro did a comedy that year. Analyze this. That's right. Uh, yeah. And again, for me, it was because I worked with Harold Ramis right after that on Bedazzled. Right. Can, a, a Kenny favorite. I love Bedazzled. <laughs> Yeah, um, and so there. And I, I'm just trying to think through like friends, like well, Brendan Fraser uh, did uh, LL- did three movies that year. Uh, yeah, that's right, that's right. And there, there was some other weird stuff that happened. Like there were a bunch of movies that I was going to do that I ended up not doing. Like I was going to do um, uh, Blue Streak with Martin Lawrence yeah. that year. Sure. And uh, uh, and uh, Chappelle went and did it. Uh, okay. Um, and. Uh, Eddie Murphy did Bowfinger that year with mm-hmm. Frank Oz. Great movie. Uh, and one of the funniest scenes, uh, you know, ever to be filmed is Eddie Murphy crossing the, the freeway, that highway. <laughs> That's one of the funniest things I have ever seen. <laughs> it's amazing. And then him crying and saying, I don't want to do it again. <laughs> yeah, he's crying. It's, it's one of the funniest things I, I've ever seen. And I did, you know, and I think, Right after that, I was, you know, I did Stay It Isn't So with Heather Graham, the Fairley Brothers movie. Oh, right. Right, yeah. <laughs> That's where, like, they kind of date siblings, sibling dating? Yes. Yeah. Sisterfucker <laughs> is what we call it. <laughs> I wish that was a 99 movie. I'd love to do that one. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> oh, dude, it was crazy. And, but and my buddy Eddie Griffin, I think, and Rob Schneider did Deuce Bigelow. They did? Sure. That's right. Yep. Um, so, I mean, there were these, uh, but one of my favorite movies, actually, and the director who I love, uh, Stanley Kubrick, did Eyes Wide Shut that yep. year. That's uh, that's one of my favorites. We, that was our first episode. We covered that one. Dude, it's, I love that movie. But that, it, it, there was a lot of interesting comedy stuff, and a lot of auteurs made some incredible stuff that year. Um, I was, I think, I was up for another film that year that uh, scheduling didn't work out on. Sadly, I wanted to do Galaxy Quest with Dean Paris. Oh, the best. Yeah. One of the best. It's such a great comedy. One of the best, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So I remember those, a lot of those moments and probably, you know, a, a couple of other, you know, silly thing. I mean, of course, Matrix is there. And, sure, you know, sure, and, sure. And, you know, that sort of stuff is um, always big. But I, that was the year also, because I'm such a freaking nerd, um, they tried to make a superhero movie that year. Uh, Mystery Men. Freak, I think it was... Yes, 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 that's, that's the name of that one. I was was like trying to pull one more out of a hat that, that really, there was one. Oh, I know what the movie was that drove me. South Park. Oh, it's the best. Yeah. 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 So I spent 
most of that year singing Uncle Fucker. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't we all? Yeah. <laughs> most of that year walking around singing Uncle Uncle Fucker and and blame uh, Canada, of course. And there was a there was, yeah, and blame Canada, which I think he won the Oscar for, which was crazy. Um, and also, there was one movie that really, because I'd met the director, ended up not doing it. But Rick Fumayawa made The Wood that year. Yeah. Yep. Um, about you know living, and and then he obviously turned around and made Dope. Yep. Um, a couple of years ago. Um, so those are the ones that sort of you know kind of just jump out at you and then little indie stuff like i met with billy crudup and that crew and was going to do jesus's son you know like great movie stuff like that it's a great movie but that might have been the next year but i love no that it was 99 you're right as well. oh that was 99 yeah oh, wow well um, orlando we just i mean uh we know you need to get back to to set and get back to shooting american gods which you're amazing on uh, which i mentioned in my email to you but truly oh, like you. you were just amazing in season one i can't wait to see what you do in season two um and and Kenny and I are we just finished the first. Oh wow! Okay, so it's it's uh, is it coming together? You're happy with uh, how it's going so far? Episode one is 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 really it's 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 it's, it's pretty interesting. Very, I think it's I, I think it certainly is is going to live up to uh, uh, what uh, Michael Green and Brian Fuller sort of laid out in terms of those characters and how they play themselves out. So uh, I'm really excited about what we did. Ian McShane's incredible. It's 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 really a lot of fun to do and. Mr. Nancy's back in full force. So was, That's uh, awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We, I mean, we're so appreciative for you taking the time. And, and you know, as we continue to dive oh, into you. 99, we'd love to have you back on at some point. Brother, look, man, you call me anytime, man. You, I'm, I was really excited to, to come on and, and chat and, you know, I'm assuming you know this, but love you, enjoy working with you with <laughs> Would love to do it again so feel free to call on me anytime but it's uh, it's all love fantastic i love you too man and we'll talk soon it's great to talk to you orlando this was awesome it, talk to you thank later thank you guys for taking the time all right thank man you. talk bye. to you soon bye Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.